Welcome to another episode of Threads of Enlightenment. And as usual, what we do here is I first want to welcome our guest, Jim, to come to us. And I thank you for sharing your time, your energy, your wisdom, sir, with us that you're here to guide us from your journey so that we can become better human spirits while we are here on this planet. Jim, I want to thank you for coming, sir. Thank you again for coming to Threads of Enlightenment. You're very welcome. Oh, you're welcome. I want you to tell them, Jim, talk to them about what you have. I always say to people that creators will always be on the move. And the things that they have today is a byproduct of their journey. So I want you to tell them, Jim, educate them as to what you, you, um, you picked up in your journey, and then we'll walk you through it. Okay, I am the discoverer of hitherto unknown human phenomena from which I constructed a revolutionary philosophic system called Septemics and which I published in a book called Septemics, Hierarchies of Human Phenomena. This book would dramatically improve the life of anyone who takes advantage of it. That means anyone who can read English and anyone who wants to improve himself or his life will benefit from this book. I already know that because I worked on this book for 25 years before mm -hmm. I published it. And I've seen the results. If you were to go to my website, septemics.com, S-E-P-T-E-M-I-C-S.com, you'll see what readers have said about it, what writers have written about it. You'll see reviews and so forth, and also sections of the book. So... I have a very long track record of this subject, so I, it's, a, it's a known quantity to me. There's no speculation involved in this, and that's why I spent so much time mm -hmm. working on it, because I'm an mm -hmm. engineer, and in the world of engineering, whatever you create must work. That is what is important, and I know that the system works. As for my qualifications... Uh, I'm a polymathic intellectual whose areas of expertise include psychology, philosophy, theology, parapsychology, science, engineering, mathematics, law, literature, history, metaphysics, military science, political science, organization, physical culture, education, and music. And I hold a Bachelor of Science cum laude from City University of New York. As for septemics, septemics is a philosophical science based on the fact that many phenomena related to human beings occur in a sequence of seven mm -hmm. levels. Literally, the word septemics means of or pertaining to mm -hmm. seven. Septemics comprises a collection of sequences or scales, each of which breaks down various human phenomena into a hierarchy of seven steps. There are 35 such scales, which span the spectrum of human experience. And what I mean by that is there is no situation that is going to arise in the life of a human that does not respond to one or more of these mm -hmm. scales. I've already established that. Um, there are 35 such scales, which uh, break down into 24, which apply primarily to individuals, and 11, which apply primarily to groups. Now, I wrote this book to help people. I had a long career as a human development engineer where I helped hundreds of people 
over many decades to improve themselves. And that is what led me eventually to finding this subject, which I'll tell you about later. Uh, so now I'm sort of going from helping hundreds to helping mm -hmm. millions, because I want this book to be in the hands of as many people as possible. Because anybody who wants to improve himself or his life, who can read English, will get benefit from this book. And the more you put into it, the more you will get out of it. Each of these 35 scales provides the user with an infallible way of determining the salutariness or beneficialness of any group, individual, or activity. If the group, individual, or activity moves persons or groups up these scales, it's beneficial or positive. If it moves them down, it's detrimental or negative. Moreover, just finding out what level you, another person, or some group is at is by itself enlightening and beneficial. Finally, once you know the actual level of a person or group, you can improve that person or group, whether it's yourself or another, by moving them up one level at a time. One of the axioms of septemics is that you can never skip a level. Now, sometimes it may seem you skipped a level, but that's only an apparency. If it goes by quickly or easily, it seems you skipped a level, but you never skip a level. It's impossible. It's just like if you're on the first floor and you want to go to the fifth floor, one way or another, you have to go through the second, the third, mm -hmm. and the fourth. Whether you take the escalator, the elevator, a rope ladder, mm -hmm. or whatever. And that's how this works. Now, this solves uh, an age-old problem, which is the gradient mm -hmm. problem. Many people know what their situation is, what their problem is, but they don't know how to mm -hmm. fix it. And that's usually because they don't know the gradient. In other words, crash diets and crash exercise programs do not work because nobody can lose 100 pounds. You can lose one pound 100 mm -hmm. times, and that's the gradient. Or I've worked as a trainer. You can't just give a guy 100 pounds and say, work mm -hmm. out with that. That's not good training. A good trainer, like any good teacher or counselor, knows the right gradient. He elicits it from the client, and he gets the person working on the right thing. If the guy can curl 20 pounds 15 times, that's a good place mm -hmm. to start. So this solves the gradient problem across the spectrum. In other words, it doesn't matter what situation you're trying to resolve, whether it's financial, romantic, familial, governmental, business, they all resolve according to these scales. Now, you have to realize that every scale is unique. So you can't can learn anything really about scale A by studying scale B. You can't learn about scale C by studying scale D. Each one is unique. And if you think about it, in order to have a subject that spans the spectrum of human experience, you would have to have 35 unique yeah. scales because human phenomena is vast. Mm -hmm. And if I read to you the names of the scales, you would see exactly mm -hmm. what I mean. Because these 35 different names correspond to the 35 different scales. And it pretty much covers everything because each one of these things is vast and huge. You actually could take any one of these scales almost at random and completely improve your life just using the one scale. I don't recommend that, uh, but you could mm -hmm. do that. And actually, the way that works out is a person will have a situation and will say, 
Ah, I see, this scale explains my situation. And he will then find himself there. Then he knows exactly where he mm-hmm. is in relative to this situation. And then he can move himself up one level and he has improved his life. That is awesome. So, so all of these advantages represent major steps forward for society. Each of these scales represents an axis against which to evaluate human behavior and mm-hmm. phenomena. Combined, they empower one to understand, predict, and manage human affairs to a degree hitherto unattainable by most. The data in this book are vital for every human being and can help you to achieve your goals faster and easier by explaining what might otherwise seem to be inexplicable or random. If someone were to invite you to a rendezvous, you would certainly expect them to tell you the exact mm-hmm. location and perhaps also how to get there. Needless to say, it's very difficult to get somewhere if you don't know where you are, don't know where you're going, and don't know how to get to your destination. Now, this sounds idiotic, but most people do this regularly. Mm-hmm. Long before GPS units, when I started driving on location, I started finding out that most people did not know geographically precisely where they were. My request for directions to the, from the person at the, on the other end of the phone was usually requited by vague and often inaccurate mm-hmm. data. So I learned to ask only for an address, which most people couldn't give, or many people couldn't give mm-hmm. anyway. And I would look it up on the map. Now, if this is true with physical phenomena, it's even more true with conceptual phenomena because they are abstract. Mm-hmm. So this book helps you to find where you are in any one of 35 different categories and move yourself up. Because when you find the level, it's fairly easy usually to move yourself up to the next level. But even if you don't move yourself up, just knowing what level you're at is an epiphany. Or as one reviewer said, it's an Mm -hmm. eye-opener. So, Jim, that's uh, um, I love what you're talking about and what you... You have discovered. Now, I want to go back, Jim, as to your childhood, uh, because we want to get a glimpse of your journey and where did this come out of all of this wisdom, this this uh, insight that you've received? How did it achieve uh, come out of this being? Uh, talk to us about your childhood as to what type of family you, you were brought up in and that kind of thing. Siblings, uh, those, those. Okay. So let me tell you, I was a born polymath. I have no memory of a time when I was not intensely interested in learning any legitimate Mm. subject. I mean, I'm not interested in knowing trivial things like how much change you have in your pocket. But anything that's taught in a university, I want to know. That's how I was Mm. born. I can remember at the age of three being like that, being inquisitive and being compelled to learn. I started school at the age of three, and I have been active in pedagogy one way or another my entire Mm -hmm. life. So teaching and learning is inherent to my personality. Now, when I was 10, I was shocked 
to find that some kids didn't like school. <laughs> I could not fathom that. I loved school. Mm-hmm. Okay? And uh, I was enthused to go to school every day and learn something yeah, new. Yeah. And I'm still like that. Still like that. Now we have search engines. It's yeah. easy. So if, if I have some abstruse yeah. question, you know, like what religion did a certain author yeah. practice? You know, I can look that up and yeah. find it, which is, which is a great improvement because, of course, when I was young, you had to yeah. go to libraries and you had to go through a card catalog. It was not yeah. easy to find out things, especially specific things and abstruse things, uh, which is something that I'm always mm-hmm. interested in. Now, so I became a very good student. I was an honor student and I went to elite mm-hmm. schools and won scholarships and graduated with honors mm-hmm. and all of that. And by the time I, w- I had my bachelor's degree, I accomplished a couple of things. One is I pretty much knew what the mainstream mm-hmm. had. In other words, I knew what the mainstream was offering. Yeah. Uh, mathematics, chemistry, history, and so forth. Uh, and I saw that there were vast gaps in there. There are all kinds of things that were not available, things I wanted mm-hmm. to know. The other thing is, by the time I finished my bachelor's degree, I knew that I did not want to engineer electrons and airfoils mm-hmm and motors and things like that. I wanted to engineer the human psyche. And as a child, I was uh, very interested in anything like the Twilight Mm -hmm. Zone or One Step Beyond or The Outer Limits. Uh, So uh, after I got my bachelor's degree, instead of going to graduate school, which is what I always thought Mm -hmm. I was going to do, I started studying alternative Mm -hmm. subjects and saying, you know, looking under different rocks. What do these people know? What do these people have? Why is there a group here? Why is there a religion here? And all of that opened my mind, to put it one way, or to put it another way, it, it answered a lot of the questions that I had that the mainstream did not answer. So the other thing that happened by the time I was a Bachelor of Science is that I really knew how Mm -hmm. to study. I knew that better than I knew anything else. I knew how to learn. This was not an unknown to me. So by then, I could go into any field, any subject without a teacher and master Mm -hmm. it because I knew how to access the material, how to study. And some of that is in the book. There's a scale of scholarship which talks about the seven levels of scholarship and how to move people up to become a better scholar. There's also a scale of literacy, which is similar but related. Okay, so now I developed a career as a human development engineer, and I'm working with my clients, okay, Mm -hmm. for decades, hundreds of people of every type. And here's what happened. I started observing that when my clients improved, they improved in ways that were predictable mm-hmm. to me. Now, I never said this to anyone 
but I made notes mm. on it. I observed that they were moving up scales. In other words, I would take a guy in, I would know the subject material, I would know the client, and I would know before he had his realization or his epiphany what it was going mm. to be. Because I knew these scales that I had observed empirically. Yeah, yeah just from dealing with a lot of people, and I wrote them down. Now, eventually I had about 32 scales of various mm -hmm. numbers. Only one or two of them ha actually had seven levels. But there was one scale in particular that was extremely important and relevant that permeated everything mm -hmm. I experienced. Eventually, this came to be known as the scale of basic mm -hmm. purposes. Every human being has only one of seven basic purposes. Now, of course, everyone has thousands of purposes. If you want to get a cup of coffee, that's a purpose. But there's only one basic purpose, and that generally persists for mm -hmm. your whole life. Now, there are exceptions. There are people who can move up one level or down one level in extreme circumstances. But most people stay at one level. So when you know somebody's basic purpose, you know yeah. all about him. You know what he's trying to yeah. do. And when you know your own basic purpose, it's extremely enlightening. It makes living much easier yeah. because you know what you're about and what you're not about. Those other six things are not what mm. you're about. You're about this one thing. Now, this scale of basic purposes came from a six-level scale, which I had been using for decades and I knew was mm -hmm. correct. I saw in working everywhere I looked. However, in 1995, I discovered a seventh mm -hmm. level. And when I inserted that seventh level into the sixth level scale, it clicked in mathematically. Mm -hmm. And I realized I was looking at natural mm -hmm. law. I realized, whoa, this is much bigger than anything I was contemplating. So... Then I thought, I wonder how many of these other scales that I have observed and written down are actually seven-level mm -hmm. scales. And because I knew what I was looking yeah. for, it was not hard for me to find the remaining levels on these other 30 or so scales. Voila, in a couple of months, I had about 32 seven-level scales. And as I found the seven levels... They all manifested mathematically. Now, when you read the book, it's not like studying a math book. The, the mathematics is not obvious in the book because I'm not trying to make mm -hmm. a mathematician. I'm trying to teach yeah, the scales. Yeah. But, but to me, as an engineer who had 26 semesters of math, I could see the math. And uh, I have a mathematical mind. And something else that I can tell you is... For me, what's important is knowledge. That is inherently valuable. I'm not interested in fame, power, wealth, or anything else like that. I'm interested in knowledge. I want to mm -hmm. know whatever it is. Okay? Now, most people are mixed up in that area. They confuse knowledge with understanding with mm -hmm. opinion. Those are three yeah. different things. Okay? Now, I know that the Pythagorean theorem mm -hmm. is true. It was true before Earth mm -hmm. existed, 
And it will be true after Earth no longer mm-hmm. exists. Okay, It is embedded in the fabric of yeah. the universe. And if you understand it well, uh, most math is. Math is almost entirely embedded in the fabric of the universe. I think of math as God's language. It's the closest humans can get to a divine apprehension of reality because it is inarguable. So I see great beauty in math, and I see mathematics in everything Mm -hmm. I look at. If I'm driving a car, I see mathematical formulas going in front of me. Okay, so, and this makes my mind very precise. And one of the outgrowths of this is I have an ability to perceive that is apparently superior to most people's. And the way I know that is I can be in a room with 10 people, something happens, and I perceive things about that that the other people don't mm-hmm. see. Uh, and as I went forward, this got more and more extreme. Now, uh, the other thing I should tell you is that I've been meditating since I was yeah. a young man. So I've been meditating my whole life. I've been meditating thousands and thousands of hours. I still meditate about an hour a day. Uh, and I very, very rarely miss a day. For me to miss a day, it has to be some kind of a yeah. disaster. You know, like the house is on fire, you know, or my son's in the hospital or something like that. It's got to be big because that is really the most important thing to me because it clears my mind. So place of power, instead yeah. of my mind being... I tell people it's a place of power. I tell Pardon? people meditation is a place of power. Uh, if you understand um, yes. the purpose of it, and I think I think in many cases like yourself, I think math is the purest form of communication because I think when you look at the planet and the preciseness of it all, I think math is the purest form of communication that one can express uh, when you're looking at right. everything on a global scale from the axis on the moon. I mean, everything, Jim, stands. Uh, so you're absolutely right. When we're long gone, uh, the math will still be here. The Those formulas will still be here. They've never left. They've always been here. It's just you and I and, and people are, through time, are have gaining access to it by a shifting of the mind, uh, our perception, so that we can understand it and then we were able to put it down on paper. But I love the stuff that you're talking about. This is really good stuff. Uh, Jim, I wanted to talk to you about, okay, how did you, with all of this going around and you're able to perceive things, how did you fit into this place, this space that we call Earth at the time when you're dealing with the people around you that are not... Um, that are not aware or gifted with your perception, perceptiveness in in your living. How did you relate to other people? Because that's a what you're talking about. Your lifestyle is a is seems can be if if a lonely place. So talk to me about how did you interact with people and with this knowledge and um, how 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 was that, Jim? Well, I wouldn't say for me it was a lonely Mm -hmm. place. 
but it was I was sort of a weirdo or outsider. outsider. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was always sort of outside of society, studying it the way a scientist would study a specimen, you know, under a microscope, uh, because I was sort of outside it. I didn't particularly want to be outside it, but yeah. I was. Uh, and to, to give you an example of what I mean, uh, by the time I was a teenager, I had different groups yeah. of friends. I had one group of friends with whom I would attend physics lectures and math mm-hmm. lectures. I had another group of friends with whom I, I would attend uh, classical Greek plays and poetry readings. I had another group of friends with whom I would play football yeah. and baseball. These three groups of people hated mm-hmm. one another. There was no <laughs> crossover. Now, I had no trouble dealing with all groups of these people, but I learned at an early age that I needed to keep yeah. them separate because they were not going to tolerate yeah. one another. They could tolerate me because I could uh, discuss whatever they were into. Like I had one friend who eventually became a physicist, and uh, he was in some ways like a dopey, dorky mm-hmm. nerd. Okay? But when it came to like math and physics, he was like mm-hmm. a genius. You know, I mean, he had trouble getting high grades in wow. English and Latin and things like that in history. But math and science, he was like close to 100 mm-hmm. all the time. And that's just an example. So I could hang out with him. And I had other friends who did everything they could to get away from math mm-hmm. and science. But with them, I could discuss classical yeah. literature, for yeah. example. And this is what I mean when I said I was a born polymath. So in a way, I was an outsider, but uh, I sort of worked for me because I could relate to all these different people, even though none of them could completely Mm -hmm. accept me. You know, like if I told my my, uh, theater buddies that I loved math, they would just look at me like I was from (laughs) Marx. So... You know, and or if I told my my science and math buddies that I had just been to a, a classical Greek yeah. play, they would say, "Why would you want to do that?" You know, so so all of this turned out to be a big advantage yeah. to me as a human development yeah. engineer because I had a scope and a breadth, and because the meditation cumulatively calmed my mm-hmm. mind as the years went by my ability perceived to perceive yeah. got better yeah. and better and better and better because most people's minds mm-hmm. are turbulent that's why they get upset that's why they worry that's why they're insecure i don't yeah. have any of that i almost never mm-hmm. get upset you know when my mother died mm-hmm. i didn't get upset I just said, well, okay, well, she's old. She lived to 93 and she's going on Mm -hmm. to heaven, you know. Didn't Mm -hmm. bother me. And so very few things worry me or upset me because I've spent so much time uh, clearing my mind. And that made me my ability to perceive better and better. And that made me a really good human development engineer because I would get a complete stranger come to me. And say, you know, I've got this going on with my wife. I don't know what to do. You know, and, and as they were telling me, I would be having insights mm-hmm. into it 
that they did not have, and I didn't tell them what they were. Because my role was to bring the person to figure it out himself. That's what Socratic dialogue is. If you study Mm -hmm. Socrates, he would have a long conversation with somebody, and the guy would be having realizations during the conversation because Socrates would ask the right question. And that's what I was good at. Now, sometimes the question would take the form of a statement, Mm. like, tell me your problem. That's not really a question. It's more like a request, Mm -hmm. but in a sense, it's like a question. So because of that, I started observing these phenomena, and I wrote them Mm -hmm. down, and eventually... I discovered a new subject Mm -hmm. because when I saw that I had 32 scales that were all mathematical in nature and they were all empirically proven, I knew that I had something big. Now, when I released the very first transcript of this in 1995 to colleagues of mine, brilliant people who all had graduate degrees in different fields, they were all blown away. By this. Nobody said, eh, I don't really get it, or anything like that. Nobody said that. So then I started giving it to my clients, mm-hmm. and I started giving it to my friends, and I started getting 100% positive mm-hmm. response. And I can tell you now, it's been 26 years since I started writing the book. And Every single person who has either read the book or discussed it Mm -hmm. with me, as you are doing now, has had a sort of a blown away response. Like, wow, I got to read this book. This is what I need. So that's my mission. I've sort of retired as human development engineer. Once the book was published about a little over a year ago, I said, I have to get this out. Now, you have to realize it would have been very easy for me to write an academic book. That would have been, that would have been uh, palatable to professors and intellectuals mm-hmm. and such. But I was determined to make this available to the people mm-hmm. of Earth, or at least the people of Earth who wanted to improve yeah. themselves. Because believe me, there are people who don't want to improve oh, yeah. themselves. You know, there are people who are after they're after alcohol and yeah. drugs and sex and money and stuff like that. They don't care, but they're not going to read this book anyway. But it's for people who want to improve themselves or their lives. And so because of that, I had to put 25 years into it because first I had to discover the phenomena. Then I had to construct a system. And then I had to express it in a way that would make sense to almost anyone who could read English. And so it's a 86,000 word book. I had to go through every single word and say, is this the best way to express it that people will connect yes. with? And I tried not to use words like quotidian and antediluvian, uh, which was how I tend to speak anyway, but I tried to simplify mm-hmm. things and say it in a way so that almost anybody can get it, and they do. For example, uh, I have a client who's a corrections mm-hmm. officer, Right? Yeah. No college. Now, he got it. 
he his life was changed by this mm. book. So we're talking about something that works all the way from people who have doctorates all the way down to people who have a high school education. Now, people who are barely literate, they're going to have trouble mm -hmm. with this book. But those people have trouble with yeah. any book. Yeah. And I, I can tell you from the scale of literacy, which is one of the scales in the book, there are not people think in terms of literate and illiterate. No, there are seven levels of mm -hmm. literacy. And there are many people with graduate degrees who are not terribly mm -hmm. literate. For example, I have a friend who's mm -hmm. a doctor. Just socially, I read a book. I liked it. I said, here, read this. This is a great book. Yeah. Novel. So about a week or two later, she gave it back and she said, I can't read this book. Now we're talking about a successful mm -hmm. doctor, okay, who had a successful practice and was uh, by societal standards, well-educated, could not read. This is one of the most famous novels mm -hmm. in the world, okay? Couldn't read it. So thinking that just because people have college degrees or even graduate degrees, that does not make yeah. them literate. So uh, the more literate you are, of course, the easier yes. any book yeah. is mm -hmm. for you. But I want to say to allay any fears people might have, every single chapter has a glossary mm -hmm. in front of it. And even the introduction has a glossary. The introduction is the longest section of the book. And so I am reducing the semantic mm -hmm. barrier by putting these glossaries in, which of course yeah, was a lot yeah. of work to make 36 glossaries that, and you know, to, and again, I don't want to turn it into a synonym yes. study because that mm -hmm. could happen from somebody yeah. like me. But, you know, so I wanted to make it a limited glossary and focus on the things that people really need to know, like the words in the scales themselves. Yeah. For example, there's a scale of communication, very important, life-changing scale. If you look up the word communication, you'll see it has about 35 mm -hmm. definitions. So anybody could say, well, what definition does he mean? When he says the scale of communication. So I have one definition of communication. Mm -hmm. Okay. Out of a lexicon. Okay. So there's no ambiguity. Yeah. I was very careful. And remember, as an engineer, you don't want there to be ambiguity. You want things clear. to be clear. Mm -hmm. Okay. So here you, you, you've done this uh, work, this body of work. And I am actually going to get a, a copy of it. And anyone that is listening to us, I want you guys to purchase this book, uh, get it for someone, uh, get it for yourself, get it for someone you care about, that you love, that you are seeing in a difficult place and has been there for a while, purchase this book because it, uh, it will guide them out of their situation. And that is the purpose of Threads of Enlightenment. It is to provide a uh, space by which uh, someone like Jim can come and can get, get to you guys the information that is necessary to help you move forward and change your life. Um, Jim, I want you to, I want you, to, I want to take you back a little right here and bring you back to that conversation that you had talked about, about the seventh level when you found the first one. Um, 
I know right. that's a series of things that happen, but talk to me if you can about that specific time, if you can remember the opening that you received as and the circumstances that caused it when you go, bam, oh, yeah, and it, it, it changed your life in, uh, as well. Okay. Okay. So, first of all, remember I said I had a six-level yeah. scale that I knew mm -hmm. was direct. And remember, when I say yeah. no, I mean no the way I know that two sides of an isosceles triangle mm -hmm. are equal. Or that I know that in a right triangle, A squared plus B squared yeah. equals C squared. I know yeah. that. I know that the acceleration of gravity near the surface of the Earth is 32 feet per mm -hmm. second. Okay? That's what I mean yeah. by no. For if you ask me if I know who's president of the United States, I would say, well, I understand it's mm -hmm. Joe Biden. See, I wouldn't use mm -hmm. the word no. Because although all of the data suggests yeah. that, it's not at the same level as the periodic yeah. table. Yeah. Okay? I know. I was a serious chemistry student, and uh, I know that the periodic table is correct. It's, it was correct before Mendeleev discovered it, and it will always yeah. be correct. Okay? He put all the elements, all the known elements onto one page, mm -hmm. which is the closest thing that I can compare my scales to. Each one of these scales is expressed in a table, or you might say a spreadsheet, mm -hmm. or a yeah. matrix. So you have to look at it the same way you would look at the periodic table. Talking about the periodic table is not helpful. You need to give it to somebody and say, look yeah, at yeah. this. And you see how these go down and these mm -hmm. go across. Like that. So it's just like uh, if you're teaching math, you have to draw it out. You have to show the formula. Just talking about it is it's not like discussing literature. Yeah. You know, I could discuss with you my favorite writers like Dostoevsky or Thomas Mann or whatever. That's discussing. That that is a different thing. But when we're talking about yeah. knowledge, you have to really write it out. You have to write out the formula, and then you have to understand the formula, which is done usually in a very graphic yeah. way mm -hmm. in math. So what happened was this six-level scale that I knew was correct, when I put the seventh level in, uh, it became mathematical, and then it opened my eyes to that I had discovered mm -hmm. something. Now, the reason it took me so long to discover the seventh level is it makes no mm. sense. This scale is what I now call the scale of basic purposes. It took me years. In fact, it took me mm -hmm. decades to divine what axis mm. is this. In other words, I knew the steps, but I did not know the thread of enlightenment that yeah, went through yeah. it. So uh, it took me years to use these and study them and discuss them to figure out what axis this mm -hmm. really is. So well, eventually I realized it's the scale of basic mm -hmm. purposes, which is the most important scale there is. Uh, now, that level, which I discovered in 1995, is level five of that scale. And each of those levels has a name. 
and going from the top to the bottom, the highest basic purpose is the saint. His purpose is to mm -hmm. transcend. Below that is the leader. His purpose is conquest. Mm -hmm. Now, many people think of conquest in a negative context, but it depends on whose ox is yeah. being gored. I mean, when the Allies conquered the Axis powers in 1945, that was a good conquest. Even for the people who lived in Japan and Germany yeah. and Italy, it was a mm -hmm. good conquest. So a conquest can yeah. be good or bad, but that's what the leader is about. Now, below that is the winner. The winner is interested in feathering his nest. He wants more money, more custom-made suits, more recognition, mm -hmm. uh, better ratings on his TV show, whatever it is, whatever winning means to him. He wants yeah. to win. You know, Ross Perot, when he was running for president, he famously said, if you're hiring somebody, look for somebody who wants mm -hmm. to win. Uh, now, this was before I had discovered this seventh yeah. level. See? So it rang a bell for me because I knew about the mm -hmm. winner level. Now, below that is what we call the yeah. normal. And that is the most numerous yeah. group. And if you watch reruns of Ozzy and Harriet, it's all about mm -hmm. normal people. You know, they have a house, they have a car, they have a job, they have kids, mm -hmm. they belong to the Elks Club. They're not trying to set the world yeah. on fire or conquer anything, okay? They're mm -hmm. normal. Below that is the fifth level, which is the mm -hmm. loser. Now, the reason that the loser makes no sense is the purpose of the loser is mm -hmm. to suffer. Now, this will ring a bell with a lot of people because the, the loser is is not just the person who's doing badly. It's a person who is inherently self-destructive. Mm -hmm. These people will find some way to sabotage mm -hmm. themselves. That's what they do. Whether it's with drugs, alcohol, they end up in prison, they end up in an insane asylum, they end up homeless, they end up in bankruptcy court, they get sued by people, they get arrested. They figure out ways to wreck their mm -hmm. own lives. And there's nothing anybody can mm -hmm. do about it. Trust me on this. I watched this as a human development engineer. And once I knew this level, it was easy for me to look around and see yeah. this. And I can tell you all kinds of stories that point this out. Uh, but this is bad news for do-gooders who think everybody can yeah. be helped. First of all, first of all, the do-gooders should talk to the mental health people because the mental health people have known for decades that a sociopath, a psychopath will not improve in therapy. That is an established fact. Mm -hmm. They know that because the lights are on, but nobody's yeah. home. It's what I said before. They're not interested in improving themselves. If you go into therapy, you have to be willing to improve mm -hmm. yourself. And in order to do that, you have to inspect yes. yourself. You have to say, what am I really doing? Is this really mm -hmm. good? And people like that can, do not have that level of insight. So below the fifth level is the sixth level, which is the criminal. Mm -hmm. People understand this. This guy is out for himself. Now, criminals do not particularly want to kill mm -hmm. people, harm people, but they do it because it's expedient. In other words, if a guy's a drug dealer and you cut in on his turf, he'll mm -hmm. kill you because you're taking money yeah. away from him. Okay? That's what criminals do. 
And below that is the lowest level of all, which is the subversive. Mm -hmm. The purpose of the subversive is to destroy. Now, again, this does not make any sense to most people. Most people try to infer to subversives other motives or other objectives. But if you study somebody like Hitler, who was a subversive, or Pol Pot, who was a subversive, you can say that they were destructive. They were destructive to their own causes, their own yeah. people. You know, Hitler, if he, if he were not destructive, he could have mm -hmm. won World yeah. War II. He basically had it in 1940 when, when he was fighting only the mm -hmm. English. He could yeah. have won. And the thing that stood in his way was the fact that Winston Churchill came to power. And Winston Churchill yeah. is a leader. And leaders want to conquer. Churchill had been saying for 10 years, this guy Hitler is a danger. He must be mm -hmm. stopped. Finally, after the English won the war, then he became prime minister. And then he was able to pursue yeah. this agenda. So if, it, if, if Churchill had not come to power, the English mm -hmm. would have surrendered. And that's what the Germans want. The Germans did not hate the English the way they hated the Russians. The Nazis hate mm -hmm. communists. They hate them. Not, not only that, they, they looked down on Slavic peoples as inferior. And the Russians were both Slavic and yeah. communists. So they hated them intensely. And that hatred led Hitler to attack the Soviets even though they had a non-aggression pact mm. in place, and that caused them yeah. to lose the war. Of course, the Russians lost 20 million yeah. people. They just kept sending people. That's a big country, 11 time zones, mm. okay? 11,000 miles of people. They just kept sending them, and the Germans yeah. kept killing yeah. them. But, for example, in Stalingrad, the Russians expected to take it in a few weeks. They yeah. never took it. Because the winter came and they froze mm -hmm. to death. So that's a perfect example of how a destructive person is going to destroy yeah. everything. And I can tell you with confidence, if the people of Germany had my book in 1933, Hitler never would have come to power. The Nazi party in 1933 got 37% of the vote, which was a plurality, mm -hmm. which, which eventually led him to come to power. And... If they had read this book, they would have seen this guy is destructive. Mm -hmm. Even though he wouldn't have been named in the book yeah. at that time, they would have been able yeah. to see, as I can see, that he was inherently destructive and they wouldn't have voted for him. Now, would he have gotten some votes? Yeah. Of course. You know who would have voted for him? Psychopaths, yeah. sociopaths, crazy mm -hmm. people, criminals, corrupt people. But that's not 37% of the yeah. electorate. It's not enough to get that yeah. kind of vote. So that's that scale, the scale of basic purposes. And as I said, that fifth level makes no sense. Most people do not understand that 20% of the population, which is how many people there are at that level, level five, are out to sabotage themselves. Yes. And there's nothing you can do about it. Because when you try to help them, you're opposing the person's most basic mm. purpose. So what kind of a reaction yeah, are you going to yeah. get? This is why people like Jesus get crucified. Yeah. And Mahatma Gandhi got assassinated. Mm -hmm. And Abraham Lincoln got assassinated. Yeah. Okay? Because 
people at the bottom of the scale, they don't want help yeah. to occur. Wow. This is, um, I can't wait to get my hands on that, uh, Jim, to, to read this thing. And, and as you're talking about it uh, and uh, discussing it, we're discussing it, um, getting excited about getting it in my, into my hands because I'd love to um, really spend some time in this book to get um, a glimpse, at least, uh, some of your revelations that you have, because getting a glimpse of it, I know, will set me free from many of the things. And that's all, all you know, what I'm about is learning. I want to learn more about who I am as an individual so that I can then look outside and learn about who is standing in front of me. But um, talk to me about your, how did you find meditation, Jim? How did you find that? Well, first of all, I told you I was a natural born mm -hmm. polymath and that I was intensely inquisitive about mm -hmm. everything. So the fact that I learned something did not prevent me from learning something yeah. else, even if it was in the same space. For example, I grew up a Christian, like mm -hmm. most Americans. But when I was in college, I met a girl who was mm -hmm. a Buddhist. And she said, come to a prayer meeting. I said, okay. So I went, you know, and then, of course, I studied mm -hmm. it. And as I studied it, I was a very good student, and I, it, it rang mm -hmm. a bell to me, okay? Similarly with Hinduism and Jainism and all the other things. Uh, for example, I read the Book mm -hmm. of Mormon. You know, I, you know how Mormon young men go around? Yeah. I don't know if you yeah. bumped into yeah. these people. They go around mm -hmm. in pairs, you know. Okay, so uh, some Mormon young men came to me and they said, read the book. I said, okay. They gave me the mm -hmm. book. I read it. Okay. Didn't make me a Mormon, but I have respect for them. I understand parts of what they teach mm -hmm. and practice. I yeah. practice. Okay. Elements of it. So you might say that I have a very syncretic approach to not only religion, but mm -hmm. everything else. So the fact that, you know, I, I do not think of things oppositionally. I think of things in an intellectual mm -hmm. way. My motto is learn everything, believe mm -hmm. nothing. None of it is about belief for me. For example, I actually live according to the teachings of Jesus mm -hmm. of Nazareth. Uh, now, there are many Christians who think I'm not a Christian. I don't belong to a church. I don't mm -hmm. go to church anymore. And so they say, oh, he's not a Christian. Oh, he, he meditates. You know, a lot of Christians think that's a bad Western thing. Western civilization, you know uh, Jim, it's... And I tell the difference in, in Eastern Christianity, which Jesus was, was a part of, um, uh, meditation is a part of that belief system. Western Christianity, Jim, believe that when you meditate, you're opening up yourself to, to get demons jump inside of you because they teach nonsense. Uh, if you look at the word of God, it talks about meditation. It, it tells you you ought to meditate on this word day and night, night and day. It is no different than anything else. I mean, Jesus did it. 
the disciples, you got to remember that where they came from and their culture at that time was uh, meditation was a part of that culture. Now, in the culture of, of Western civilization in Eastern Europe and coming to the States and all that stuff, it is has nothing to do. We don't even know what that means. And so we attach, because of uh, our foolish thinking, we attach nonsense into that saying that, you know, demons, because that's what they used to teach us, teach me when I was younger. I'm similar like you. I believe Jesus's word. I meditate all the time. I meditate an hour every day before I start my uh, get involved in anything else, because it is my time that I am having my conversation with my God and uh, focusing on myself and who I am. Uh, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, a lot of Christians will, will think you and I are nuts because we're meditating and, and, and that something is wrong with us. But if you look at the word says, yes. it is a part of the word, Old and New Testament. You know, one of the things that I observed is that belief is a barrier to mm -hmm. learning. Because once you believe something, anything that you get that opposes that, you tend to just yeah. dismiss. And dismissiveness is intrinsically antipathetic mm -hmm. to learning. So for me, it's not about belief, it's about perception. Mm -hmm. In other words, I can perceive things. I can perceive the wisdom in the Ten mm -hmm. Commandments. Yeah. Okay? I'm not a Jew, although I have many close yeah. Jewish friends. And the Ten Commandments came from their tradition, mm -hmm. from Moses. Uh, but it's not because I believe. It's because I perceive. Mm -hmm. And the best way I can explain this is, the person that I'm the most like is a fictional mm -hmm. character, which is Sherlock mm -hmm. Holmes. I am very much like Sherlock Holmes. You know, I've read every Sherlock Holmes story in existence, most of them mm -hmm. multiple times, and I've seen all the TV mm -hmm. renderings and movies and everything else, all of them. And uh, I first read this when I was 13, you know, and I went right into it. But later in life, as my... As I meditated more and my mind became clearer, I started realizing that I was very much like that. You know, there's a place in one of those stories where his buddy Watson is asking him, how, how do you solve these crimes? How do you figure this out? And he said, well, let me ask you something. How many stairs are there that lead up to our apartment? They lived on mm -hmm. the second floor. And Watson said, I don't know. And Holmes just said, you see, that's the difference between us. There are 17 mm -hmm. stairs. You've come up those stairs as many times as I have, but you never noticed there were 17 mm -hmm. steps. And that is what I do. I know That is exactly what is yeah. in the book. And that is how I am. I perceive things. And as the years went by, I got better. And that's how I discovered mm -hmm. this subject, by perceiving my clients. You see, when I was working with my clients, I was focused like a laser mm -hmm. on the person to understand him, to have insight, to know what question I should ask him mm -hmm. next, to see what was happening with him. Is this a person who's upset or is he worried? See, that's not the mm -hmm. same thing. 
If he's worried, I would handle it one way. And if he's upset, I'll handle it another way. Or is this a guy who's keeping mm-hmm. a secret? That's a different thing. And of course, I use biofeedback, which helped me to sort this out because uh, every thought that you have has an electronic phenomenon connected with it. And it shows up as mm-hmm. resistance if you connect the person up to a galvanic skin response yeah. meter. Uh, and so I learned what thoughts or what types of thoughts went, went with which phenomena on the meter. So that was part of the insight that helped me. So I could see where the session was going long before mm-hmm. it got there. And that means I could either steer it that way or I could head it off or it was going yeah. the wrong way. And all of that led me to observe these steps that the clients would manifest, which I wrote mm-hmm. down and which I discovered in 1995. They all, the whole fact that they were all seven level all came to me in a few months. And then I worked with it for 25 years, researching and rewriting it and inspecting it and meditating on it to get to a deeper understanding. For example, there's a scale called the scale of, let me think of a good one, the scale of permeation. Most people don't know anything about permeation. Permeation is the basic activity of a spiritual being. The reason why we get sensations off our bodies is that we are permeating them as a spiritual being. When the person dies, he stops permeating his body. He no longer gets sensation from it. The body is dead. Okay? So that is what happened. The permeation ended. Now, when you see two people who are deeply in love, they are permeating one another at a very high level. Okay? So permeation undercuts love Mm -hmm. and hate. The highest level of it is where you have the most power. You have real power from the fact that you're permeating Mm -hmm. it so well. Like, for example, Monet, brilliant Mm -hmm. painter, okay? Hundreds and hundreds of brilliant paintings. He obviously was permeating on a very high level Mm -hmm. painting. Uh, I'm not much of a painter at all, so my permeation on it is at a lower level. So uh, the lowest level of permeation is when you have hatred. Okay, When people hate one another, they're not permeating one another at all. Now, some people think of this as compassion or empathy, but the underlying thing is a spiritual Mm -hmm. thing. I mean, how do angels communicate? Mm They have no brains, even. They permeate Mm -hmm. things. And what is permeation about? It's about perception. When you permeate something, your perception Mm -hmm. goes up, which is why you often have telepathic communication between people of high permeation. And where you have really no connection at all between people who won't permeate one another. So that is an axis that I had to divine 
what is this thing? And I had to get to the deeper truth of, okay, this is about permeation. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had the concept of permeation, but then I realized it occurs yeah. in a scale. And if you study the scale, you'll see it has a mathematical phenomena built into it. All the scales have mathematics built into them, although I tried not to make that the center of focus because not everybody knows math, but it's in there. And I explain, when you look at the matrix that explains each scale, you can see the mathematical aspects of it. Awesome. Uh, Jim, I want to thank you for coming by. Threads of Enlightenment, this has been impactful in so many ways. And again, I I mentioned it to you, uh, listeners, buy the book. I'm going to get me one as well. Um, and, um, I think I may buy me a couple because I got a couple of sons that I think I need them to have it as well. So I suggest you guys just buy a couple of copies and hand them out, man. Uh, Jim, I want to, again, thank you for coming by Threads of Enlightenment. This has been really, really good. Thank you, sir. And I just want to say in closing, I invite everybody to go to my website, septemics.com. There's a massive amount of information. You can look at it. You can find out how people have responded to reading it, what people have written about it, what the reviews are. You can read part of the book, and you can find out what this is about. I invite you to go and realize this book exists hardbound, softbound, and ebook. The ebook is very inexpensive, like all ebooks. So for a very small investment, you can change your whole life. Thank you.